are so many amazing perks of being sober. And one of my favorites is that sobriety allows us to take self-care to the next level. And it gives us such a sense of confidence. There's really nothing like feeling confident in your own skin. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, One Skin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best. I've told you about how when I got sober, one of my favorite things was starting a skincare routine because that was not something I ever prioritized before. But let's be honest, knowing what the best skincare routine is can be a little overwhelming. That's why I'm excited about One Skin. There's no complicated routine, no multiple step protocols, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code HAPPIEST at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code HAPPIEST. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support my show and tell them I sent you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, and when we get sober, they can almost feel magnified at first because we're adjusting to feeling all our feelings again rather than using alcohol to numb them. I was honestly really surprised when I got sober at how many emotions came up for me. I remember literally saying, I have so many feelings right now, and it felt really overwhelming having to feel them all. But the great thing about that is that it gave me the clarity and awareness that I had some things to work through, like people-pleasing and like my own self-talk. That's where therapy can be so helpful because it's a safe space to get things off your chest and begin to work through what's been weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. What I really love about BetterHelp is that it's entirely online. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire and you'll be matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime with no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com happiest today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash happiest. Welcome to Happiest Sober Podcast. I'm Madeline. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you've all had an awesome week. I am super excited for today's episode because I'm bringing you a new guest and... I'm always excited when I'm bringing you a new guest. But today's guest is Jay Chase. And... Oh my god, I literally just cannot say enough good things about him. He and I have actually become really good friends. Um, We initially connected last summer when he had me on his podcast, Don't Touch My Mindset, which by the way, check out his podcast if you haven't already. Um, But yeah, since then we've become really good friends and like I'm so thankful for that because he's such a great guy. He's not only super inspiring, but he also just like has a huge heart and he cares so much about helping people and being of service. And so I'm just so excited to get to bring you this episode and for you to all hear his story. Um, Jay really had what a lot of us would consider to be like a stereotypical rock bottom, but he really used it to like catapult himself in life, in personal growth, like just in everything. So it's super inspiring to hear. I'm so excited for you to all hear it. So I won't make you wait any longer. So here is my chat with Jay. Hi, Jay. How are you? Good. I'm good. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Absolutely. First and foremost, congrats because you just became a dad. Like, oh, is it been a week even yet? A week ago? Tomorrow will be a week. Tomorrow. Oh, my God. So exciting. He's so cute. So huge congrats. And thank you for being here, even if you're super sleep deprived. <laughs> 
I'm so excited to have you. I've been so looking forward to this chat because we've chatted a couple of times now and you had me on your podcast, Don't Touch My Mindset, but I haven't gotten to hear about your story yet. And you're just like, you just radiate so much positivity whenever I see you pop up on my feed. So I'm, I've been looking forward to this one. You know, I'm super excited. One, you have an amazing story. The uh, the relationship and friendship that we've developed over just the course of a short time and one through Instagram is just phenomenal. Like one, you being a, a sober inspirator, me being a sober inspirator, but able to come together, collaborate and share messages is huge. So like, I'm, I'm excited, like dig as deep as you want to. This is for the listeners. Hopefully I can add enough value for your audience. So I'm, I'm happy to be here. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, let's hop into it. Um, I always find this to be an interesting place to start because I know this is something that really like shaped how things unfolded for me. So what, what like role did alcohol play in your family, in your kind of life when you were growing up? Was it, what was that dynamic like? Yo, um, a hundred percent. Good question. My, my father was an alcoholic. I didn't know my grandfather. So I, much of my family history, I don't know. I tried hopping on uh, Ancestry.com, no advertising. But it was <laughs> the fact that I couldn't find anything. So the only thing that I knew was the relationship that my father and my mom had, which wasn't mm-hmm. good from alcohol. Um, he was an alcoholic. He did AA. But I, I never believed in AA growing up. Because to the program, he was 10 years sober. And then I watched him drink every single day. So. Oh, wow. So was that something that like, so did your mom have, I mean, did your dad or your mom have conversations with you about it? Like, was it a big topic of conversation when you were growing up? Absolutely not. Just because of how I grew up at poor Texas, right? Uh, grew up in Texas, Fort Worth, poor and, and, and didn't have much. My mom moved to Missouri and when I was seven. So I suffered from abandonment issues there, but there was, there was never any conversations about it because there was never any, there was more issues at hand, like, right. Being poor, uh, my dad being incarcerated, bills, stressing for money, just all the things that my mom had to deal with while trying to raise me and my older sister. Wow. So your, your mom moved to Missouri with you. Not with me. You she went with her, me. not with you. Mm-hmm. So you were left with your dad then, who was no, drinking. Uh, no, my dad was actually incarcerated in Missouri. Oh, at the time. Okay. Yeah, that's why my mom moved to Missouri to be closer to him and uh, left us with our grandmother. And um, I think that was the first, like, as, as I dove as back as I could in, in therapy, that was, that was the first time I suffered from, like, abandonment issues that I carried and yeah. didn't really talk about until I was, like, gosh, I want to say I was, I was 20 when I brought that to my mom but the fact that she left us in Texas when I was seven when my older sister Mm -hmm. was 11 so my older sister and my grandmother had to raise me wow and what was that like what was your relationship like with your grandmother oh man um phenomenal I love my grandmother she uh passed away when I was 14 and uh when I turned 16 I didn't want to, I didn't want a car. I didn't want to get my license. I wanted to get my grandmother's name tattooed on me. And so I got my first tattoo in my grandmother's name uh, when I turned 16. So I I love my grandmother. God rest. Yeah. Uh, So how, okay. So how did all of that, how do you feel that all of that kind of impacted your relationship with alcohol when you started drinking? 
when I started drinking and how mm. all of that built up and was never dealt with, looked at, or even addressed or even talked about, or even looked like it was wrong. Um, it was some form of escape for me and entertainment mm. and entertainment. I wanted to be the center of attention because I didn't get that when I was a kid. So when I was in the position to make good money, um, I, I used alcohol to buy my attention at the bars. Okay. So what, what was your relationship with alcohol? Like, like when you drank for the first time and then kind of continuing, like, what did your life look like when you were drinking? My life, uh, revolved around alcohol, um, but never in a bad light, always in a party light, like, okay. and functioning alcoholic. We always joked about it. I quit drinking when I was 24. So I only experienced alcohol from 17 to 24. Yeah. And wow, um, that's a pretty short span. Yeah. And uh, I, I, and it was, it only took that amount of time to know that that was detrimental in my life. I was getting arrested. Wow. I ended up with some court cases, ended up in prison, ended up, you know, just all types of things and holds and mm-hmm. DWIs on my life. Just because of my relationship with alcohol, I partied too much. I, I, I started selling cars when I was 20 years old and uh, I made $70,000 when I was 20, like consistently really good at my job. And I blew all of that money. Uh, at the bars, bottle service, partying, just living this exclusive life of of success as a 20 year old, right? Like, and every, I mean, phenomenal at my job to where it's 100% commission. So there's no cap on how much I make. And so I knew that if I show up and work, I sold a car, I'll be able to go out and party. And all my friends were in college at the time. I dropped out of college to sell cars. I was like, yo, I'm getting money over here. So it was still having the college scene around me, but also being in a place of having a lot more money than most college students. And so Mm -hmm. it turned into uh, a party scene for me. If that answers your question, maybe I went too deep. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, So I'm so curious because I grew up, as you know, with like a sober mom and an alcoholic dad. And I found that like, that so shaped how I felt about my own drinking. Like I found that like, I felt so much more shame about my drinking because of my upbringing. Like, did you feel that way at all when you were drinking? Like, were you harder on yourself because of like seeing your dad struggle with addiction? Or do you think like, were you just kind of more in denial, like putting your head in the sand? completely putting my head in the sand until mm. like it was the de- it was the times where I, I would have run-ins r- with the law or the authorities and then I'm like oh look I'm acting like my dad and it's like what mm. I like strive not to do is like act like my dad so I was like as long as I don't uh uh get arrested or go to prison I'm cool right and then every time I got arrested I'd be like oh well that's when what do I do now right oh, another court yeah. case I've had I didn't have the same problems that my parents had growing up. Like they, they were struggling for money, selling drugs, doing the right. things that they wanted to do, you know, in order to feel like they had to provide for us. But I didn't have that problem when it comes to income. So it was like, yo, I can just buy my way out of legal problems. I can just buy my way out of this, buy my way out of this. And right. so it was head in the sand with a little bit of awareness of knowing where my life was headed, but feeling like I could buy my way out of it. Yeah. So what, what made you take your head out of the sand? Like what was your kind of wake up call or the moment where 
like you, you really looked at it honestly and were ready to kind of do something about it. Yeah. Um, when I woke up in, when I woke up in jail and I didn't have a bond, they wouldn't let me out. It didn't matter how much money I had. And, um, I, I didn't know what I did the night before. I didn't know why I was there. I blacked out. Like, and I was like, Oh, okay. And so like, I, I pressed a little buzzer and I was like, yo, what are, what are the charges? Like, did I kill somebody? I got blood on my shirt. And I'm like, what, what happened? And um, they said probation violation. And, I, and I've been on probation for the past 10 years at this point, or not 10 years, that's later down the line, but uh, for like five years at this point. And I'm like, oh, well, at least I know what I did. At least I know what I did. I, I can face that. I've already been judged for that. I can like, all right, I'm going away for 11 years. Cool. And uh, luckily, you know, that didn't happen. It was six months. Um, and then I got to finish on probation. But that when, when I woke up in jail and it didn't matter how much money I had, I couldn't get out. I was a menace to society at that point. So, Wow. I can't like that's so terrifying to mm-hmm. imagine. I can't imagine what that would have been like. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah. Oh. So. So in that moment. And then in those six months, were you like, really, you were like, okay, I'm doing this. Like you were committed to, to sobriety. Was there any part of you that thought that you were going to go back and continue drinking after that experience or was that it for you? It probably wasn't till that fifth month in, in prison that I was like, all right, I'm getting ready to be released. What am I going to do? The commitment to sobriety didn't come until after I was released. I didn't have a choice in, in, in prison. It wasn't around. Right. You know what I mean? I was on lockdown. But those six months, I was like, yo, this is life or death. You either. And part of my probation was special conditions, no alcohol. So they actually drug tested me for alcohol while I was on probation. And if I drink, wow. that was a probation violation. So if I drink a sip of alcohol, I would go do 11 years in prison. And I, I, and I, I just like literally had to buckle down and fight everything in me and tell myself that it's life or death, that it's life or death. It's, it's live, it's be free or, or go to prison because you want to drink. And so that's when the commitment came. Um, But it got, it got really serious when they, when they put a consequence towards my, towards it. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. So what what did you do like were there certain like tools that you used in in your early sobriety like how did you get through the day um absolutely I I suggest this to everybody I read a book called the four agreements um Mm. I I was filled with shame guilt when I got out of prison it really set in with me that I just wanted to be a good person like I wanted to be a good human being. I've been judged. I've been shunned. When I got out of prison, nobody, nobody hit me up. Like I, I logged on to my social medias and there was nobody. And I was like, oh, mm. like nobody, like all these people that I used to kick it with, all these people I used to party with, all these people that I bought alcohol for, went out to the bars with, spent all my money on, you know, uh, didn't even ask me where I am on a Friday, Saturday night. You know what I mean? Wow. Six months down the road. And I'm like, huh, it's, it's like, those, it's like, nobody missed that version of Jay. So I just wanted to be a good person. So I dove into like character development, personal development. And the first book I bought was the spiritual practice or the spiritual actions of, of people with good habits. 
So, okay, let's, 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 let's check it out. It was written by some doctor. I couldn't tell you who. It didn't impact me that much, but that's how bad I wanted to be a good person. And then I read the book, The Four Agreements. And, mm-hmm. and in that book, Don Miguel Ruiz lays out four agreements that we should live by. First, we have to unlearn, relearn, and, and decide to agree with these agreements. And, and the first one is be impeccable with your word. And I was like, yo, I, I've always torn people down, destroyed relationships, you know, got, had an anger problem. These things were the things that I had to deal with. And so I had to look in the mirror and say, Jay, we, we are no longer tearing people down there. I will only speak positivity from my, from, from my words. I will only be a source of positivity for this world in order to be a better person. And then it was not to make assumptions. I was like, Jay, we can't get angry at the things that we don't know or the facts that we don't have. So if we're going to make assumptions, like we got to ask the questions to get to the facts. And it was being able to fight those assumptions and these feelings that come up from making assumptions that helped me really understand that like, yo, when I get into this place of loneliness or assumptions or like, oh, they don't want to be with me. They don't want to hang out with me. They don't want to do these things with me. I go reach for the bottle. So I think that somebody does want to hang out with me. So I was like, yo, don't make assumptions, whether they want to hang out with you or not, just ask the question and they'll tell you. And then you can plan your night accordingly to that. And the, the other thing was the third agreement is don't take anything personally. And I was like, yo, that's huge. Because there were so many times where people would tell me no, where people would, would make boundaries with me. And I would take that personally like it was me, but it was them. And I didn't understand that perspective until I read that book. And the, the fourth agreement was always do your best. And you can quiet that inner judge. And that's the one that stuck with me because I lived with this inner judge inside of me. I was saying, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're a bad person, you're a bad person, you're a bad person. And I knew that if I approach every situation, being impeccable with my word, not making assumptions, not taking anything personally, and doing my best to be a source of positivity, then I can quiet that inner judge and, and, and take a step towards being a good person. And that was literally the tools that I clung to my first two years of sobriety. Wow. Talk about taking something so hard that you went through and like turning it into a positive and using it to like grow. Like that's incredible because so many people would come out and have that experience of like, Oh, no one's reaching out to me. No one cares. And just like spiral deeper Mm -hmm. and, you know, have like a pity party about it. And like the fact that you used it as such an opportunity to grow is incredible. What were those first like six months of your sobriety? Like, were you in that place that you just spoke of mentally of being of like feeling guilt and shame? Like, what was the experience like? Those first six months was a lot of shadow work because I had mm. nothing else to do. It was it was mm. isolation um, and rehabilitation, as the state would say. But mm. I didn't I didn't have much to distract me with except for, you know, this box. And I, I picked up a book in prison that I read that I don't give much credit to because I don't, I don't, it didn't impact me too much, but I'm like, yo, it, it moved me. It, it opened up a new perspective for me and it allowed me to start doing shadow work. And it was a secret by uh, Rhonda Bryant. I don't know if any, if anybody's listening. Read yeah, that book. I've read that one. It, it's like the gateway to self-awareness, right? Like it's just yeah. like the, <laughs> the, one, right? the secret. And, um, and, I read this book and then I read the book, The, uh, uh, the Power of Forgiveness. Oh, okay, cool. And I, and I read through that and I started forgiving myself. I started forgiving my mother. I started forgiving my father. I started forgiving my sister, my other sister, my other sister, my other sister. Like I started forgiving 
all of these people that I held so much resentment onto is what those those first six months look like. Where I was like, yo, I'm I'm really not mad. And so like I was ready to go back into this normal life of like, hey, I forgive you, I love you, I love you, let's build, you know, I need help, you know, da, da, da. like I was thinking that, but nobody missed me. So when do you think, because you you had this experience of getting sober and really having the mindset, which is true, is like, I have to do this because the alternative was just like not an option for you. When do you think it shifted from like something that you had to do to something that you wanted to do? Like, when yeah. did that change happen? Yo, that's, that's a huge question. Um, thank you for asking that. June, uh, June 1st, 2020, I was uh, discharged from all of my probations and I, was a fr- and I was a free man for the first time in 10 years. Wow. Absolutely, absolutely insane, right? Um, and, How did and- that feel? phenomenal like I, it, when when we talk about breaking chains breaking break the cycle break like my whole message break the cycle break you know that's uh, it's all built off the things that I've been, been through and to just mm-hmm. literally be a free man from somebody who was about to do 11 years in prison is just like on the other end of the spectrum so yeah. like gratitude to that right and it, it was when my lawyer called me and was like yo I didn't even have to show up in court. And that's how well I was doing on probation. That's how well I was going through all these things. That's how much I have developed. Like my lawyer just called me. He was like, yep, got it done. You're off both probations. I was like, what? And he was wow. like, yep. And it was like two and a half years early. And so um, it was just truly a blessing. And that was June 1st, 2020. And, um, but that's when I had to make the decision because I was a free man again. And I was like, yo, okay. Now I can go back to drinking. Now I can do right. all the things that I want to do. And I kind of stopped and I was like, yo, let's evaluate. Let's pause. The, the, the law of reflection proffers that when we pause, it allows growth to catch up with us. And so I was like, yo, let's pause and compare these past two and a half years to the two and a half years before these two and a half years. And I looked back and I was like, yo, I'm, I'm doing phenomenal. Let's just rock it out. Let's just keep going and see what we can do. And uh, that was when I really committed, uh, free and willing. Was yeah. What? Yeah, almost two and a half years into it. Wow. Yeah, because you were able to, to objectively be like, look at how freaking far I've come. Look mm-hmm. how much better I've made my life. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So what, what is like life like for you in sobriety now? How, 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 um, what's your date? How long do you have now? Uh, I'll be, depending on when this comes out, I'll be six years sober, February 5th, 2020. Amazing. So, okay. So what, what does that feel like? Like what's, what's your life like now in sobriety, almost six years sober? One, uh, free will, free will. I am such a believer in free will. I, when I was on probation, so one alcohol took my freedom from me. One, and when I say that is because I always drank as a result of my problem. Alcohol wasn't the problem as we dig deeper. Right. And as I look back, I always ran to alcohol to escape the things that I was going through. And then that, mm-hmm. that always ended in the bad, the wrong situation and got me in a place where my freedoms were taken away. I had to ask somebody to travel. Anytime I wanted to cross out of like the county lines, I had to call somebody like they or my parent as a grown, as a grown man. 
and say, hey, um, do you think I can go to St. Louis, which is two hours down the road um, this weekend? And I would have to wait for them to say yes or no. Look at my track record and things like that. So the the what sobriety looks like for me is free will. The amount of freedom that we have being like just being free, being ourselves, authentically us. I don't got to ask anybody to travel. I don't got to depend on anybody for anything. Um, I, I ha- I've had two DWIs because of alcohol. Now I have my license back. I didn't have a license for seven years. For seven wow. years. I, I How good did that feel to get your license back? A hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like this. So it's so much freedom and, mm-hmm. and privilege of living an alcohol-free life. And I, and I use the word privilege because everything that I lost, the court system said was a privilege. Wow. That is powerful stuff because like, I feel like something, you know, I think we all say a lot is that like sobriety is, is freedom, but for you, sobriety is literally freedom. Like it gave you back your actual freedom. And that's why I look at sobriety and even recovery as not even just on the substance abuse level, but recovery of your life. Like I I lost so much of my life to alcohol, like literally sitting and rotting and rotting in prison and to living and thriving. Right. And like literally from operating in my job as a drunk to operating in my job, sober, same job, different mindset that mm-hmm. where I was barely hitting a hundred thousand dollars and, and barely had $200 in my bank account to where I've seen nothing less than six figures every year since I've been sober. You know what I mean? And so it's the fact that I, I got facts to look at and things to compare to. And that's why I'm like, yo, that, this is freedom. This is like yeah. I, I have a choice to do this, or I could go to the liquor store and celebrate with a bottle. What must that feel like looking back on like how far you've come? I, I'm so grateful that I went through all that. Uh, like I'm, like people must think I'm crazy because like I'm, like I'm so grateful I went to prison. I'm so grateful I had to be sit down. I'm so grateful that I had this like all these problems, and I'm so grateful for the trauma. I'm so grateful for the the best that my parents did because it shaped mm. me to who I am. Right? It, it taught me lessons. It catapulted my growth. And once we start healing, once we start going backwards, once we look at the things that hurt us, our traumas, we we experience this thing called PTG post-traumatic growth where we catapult forward and and where we should be mentally because what we don't heal we repeat and we stay there right cbt cognitive behavioral therapy says that like we repeat the same traumas over and over in different people so my dating life before i went back and found the abandonment issues it was based around alcohol and with people who couldn't make a commitment to me if they were like yo i'm i I live in a college town so if they're like yo i leave in six months, I'm like, dope, let's rock it out. You know, let's fall in love. Because my mom left me when I was seven. Mm. So that's, it's it, it like literally sobriety has changed how I register love, how I go back and heal that. And so I'm able to take all the things that I've been through and be this, this whole human and this man that I can be for my partner, for my son, for my business, for, for the people that follow me, you know, for the inspirator that people say that I am so grateful for. So grateful. Wow. That's powerful. You got me emotional. <laughs> no, it's so good. Cause like, it's, it's so true that it's like, like you said, you're like, Oh, it sounds crazy to stay to say I'm grateful. I went to prison, but like, it was your greatest gift. Like everything that happened to you brought you to this place. And like, that's so powerful. Oh my gosh. Um, 
what would you, what would you say to someone who is listening, who is either like struggling with their drinking or is like in their early days, like what kind of advice, what wisdom would you give to that person? Yeah, man. Um, someone who's struggling with drinking, someone who's sober curious, someone who's probably less than six months sober and you're listening to this, if you want to change yourself, you have to change your environment. Because if you change yourself and not your environment, not your people, places, and things, growth will be difficult and slow. If you change your environment and not yourself, growth will be difficult and slow. But if you change your environment and yourself at the same time, growth will be fast and successful. It will never be easy. This process, this journey, um, emotionally attached to the process because it will never be easy. But if you change yourself and you change your environment, growth will be fast and successful. Mm-hmm. And okay, I want to ask you this because you're literally just like so inspiring and positive. And like, I want to sort of ask like, what's your secret? Like, I know you wake up at 4 a.m. every day. So like share, like, what are your, (laughs) what's your secret? What do you do to like, keep yourself in this positive place? Tell us everything. (laughs) Tell us everything. Tell the tell all. The tell all. Uh, I love it. Um, A hundred percent, my connection with my higher power. A hundred percent. I don't, I don't go to resources. I go to the source. I don't, I, I don't, I don't go to anything or anybody around me I've learned that I got to go direct directly to the source and then number two would be surround myself with great people great men great women to uplift not tear down one thing I've seen a lot of people a lot of great men do is 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 build something beautiful and amazing with one hand and tear it down with the other so I surround myself with great men and great women um the opportunity I have in front of me I know that my next opportunity doesn't come until I give this opportunity my absolute all. And I'm the only person who's in control of that. So the last part of that is me. I have to make that choice. Like I said, free will. So there's four parts to the equation, higher power, um, great men, great women, the opportunity in front of me and myself. Mm, So good. What do you think like the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself has been through all of this? no matter what you lose in life, somebody will never be able to take your character away from you. Oh, that's good. And I, I truly, truly, truly believe that your influence will only run as wide as your character runs deep. So I, I believe in character development before personal development. I love that. Well, okay. So now you do so much now to like help other people and inspire other people. Like when did that kind of start and tell, uh, tell me about that. Yeah. Do you like, yo, it's so interesting. Cause when I was in prison, right. I remember I was laying on my bunk and every night there was this uh, older gentleman. He wasn't, he wasn't like old, old, but like he, he was like middle-aged man, like kind of like dad vibes. Right. Uh, white guy, bald head, tattoos everywhere, right? Just look like somebody who was just on the other side of where a black guy wouldn't talk to in prison. Like we're not supposed to be talking, right? And he would get up and inspire the the entire pod. So if anybody who doesn't know what prisons are like, they're separated by pods. You have 
one pod, another pod, another pod, but he'd get up and just use his voice to inspire us, to uplift us at night. Right. And I was laying on my bed one night and he, and he walks in and he walks in my cell and he says, you know, that's supposed to be you. Right. I was like, bro, get out of my face. He was like, no, God just told me to come over and tell you this is supposed to be you. He's saying, you can do it. You're supposed to be out here doing it. You're supposed to inspire us, brother. I need you to do this. I need you to keep going. Keep this going once I leave. And the next wow. night he left. And so I stood up with my Bible and started inspiring the pot. Um, just, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I mean, just because like I looked at him, I was like, yo, I mean, the, the next day he left. And so that was like the first time I ever used my voice to inspire anyone um and I kind of never looked back on it I never really thought about that but I started hosting a bible study every Thursday night in my house just for those who are faith curious those who have church hurt those who like don't who want to develop a relationship with their higher power versus those who feel like they have to go to an organization to develop that relationship and so um I invited those people to my living room just open to the public and um one of my friends was coming regularly. He said, Jay, you have an amazing testimony. You give amazing perspective. You need a podcast. I was like, bro, you're crazy. Mm. And he was like, no, I was like, I, I hate my voice. Like it was my biggest insecurity. Really? A hundred percent. Like my biggest insecurity. Wait, you have such a nice sounding voice. (laughs) (laughs) At the time, I did not believe it. Like it was my really. Uh, talk, wow I'm talk shocked. about limiting beliefs right yeah and, right <laughs> and I was like yo if you give me a step-by-step process on how to launch a successful podcast I'll do it in 30 days and he was like cool two days later he showed up with a handwritten like two-page paper on how to launch a podcast and he was like here you go and like 30 days later I launched don't touch my mindset and from then on I've been using my voice to inspire people help people tell their stories Wow. And you also do some like, like you do, you do some speaking, like what's tell me more about that as well. Absolutely. So that's, that's what I, that's what I've like upgraded to from the podcast. And like people are like, Oh, people are listening. Um, (laughs) And um, I I was blessed the opportunity to learn, learn under some great motivational speakers um, and just really advance my personal development, my character development. Um, So shout out to ET, the hip hop preacher, Eric Thomas, but it's the fact that he was my mentor and, and showed me the way to how to monetize and s- inspire the world to make income and impact. And I was like, yo, that's dope. And so I really dove into it. And now I, I, I do professional speaking. I travel all over the country doing leadership development, um, teaching individuals in active recovery, how to manage uh, destructive emotions and habits to live a full and effective life. I created Disconfluenced Recovery. It's It's just phenomenal journey so far amazing so good okay something I am curious to kind of like come back to as well is like you spoke to kind of realizing when you when you came out of prison that like none of no one had checked in on you and like the people who used to party with like how did how did your relationships change since like how have they changed since you got sober and how did you start like building new relationships in your life and like what are they like now especially being like a younger you know in your 20s and like how did it kind of how'd your social life change like what what was that all like you know of course it was a completely different dynamic right Mm -hmm. so 
from from dating from in our era dating apps right uh social media things like that what you see on snapchat what you see on instagram of people having fun because you go from this certain friend group to that's all you saw that's all you know this is why i always say your level of exposure will determine your level of of success because i wasn't exposed to the sober community at the time you know i didn't get plugged into like doing all this until like uh, a year ago, just like a little over. Really, one hundred percent. Like I launched my podcast. Wow. Yeah, I launched my podcast like a, like a, a little over a year ago, November. Wow. Yeah, November of twenty twenty one is when I when I launched my podcast. So it's just been amazing. And and so I didn't get plugged into that. So I literally had to sever those relationships. It like I I, I just boom because I I'll be the first one to admit it. I'm human. I still went out. I still went to the bars. I still like, I would even know that I was like, yo, if I drink, I'm going to prison. I was still in there. I, you know, I'm, I was like, I can have fun sober, but that's my personality. Like I'm a, like yep. I'm a true flight attendant, like any, in any, I'm catering to the experience every single time. Right. And so I'm, I'm, I'm yep. the, I'm, whether I'm extremely drunk or whether I'm extremely positive, like, you know, me, it's going to be an uplifting, like a hundred percent of this energy that yeah. you get from me. Right. And was so, it like a needing to prove yourself a little bit? Like I, I can still be fun and go out. Like, was it a bit of that? It, it was my desire to be around people. I okay. like, I love people. I love people. Like I, I put people first in everything I do. Somebody would tell me that Jay, you will lose money if you go hang out with these people. But if they tell me that they need me to speak to them, I'm like, yo, I will go speak to you for free. I like, I don't care. And that's just how passionate I am about people. So I didn't know that about myself at the time. I was just like, yo, I want to go have fun. But it was, I was drawn to crowds of people. And and in that, and my gift is connecting with people. So if you put me in a room full of strangers, I got 10 friends within five minutes. I promise you. (laughs) I believe it. (laughs) (laughs) It's the fact that I didn't know that. So like, I was just like, yo, I I can still go hang out with the homies. They know I'm on probation. They ain't going to put me in a situation that, we, I got a story for that too, but I was like, okay. they're not going to put me in a situation it. that's going to set me up for failure. They're not going to do that too. They love me. Right. They, they, my homeboys, they didn't reach out to me for, because they knew I was gone. Somehow somebody told, no, that was all lies. I told myself. Right. And uh, it, so it wasn't on this fact of proving, but more of FOMO and just being drawn to people and, and like who I naturally am is why right. I like wanted to go out. But then it took more discipline to say, no, Jay, you can't keep going like this. After I tested positive one time for THC and methamphetamine. Okay. And I was like, yo, I have smoked in X amount of years. I've never done meth. I'm telling this to my probation officer. He's like, well, it's positive. I got to give this to the judge. I was like, yo, and I'm like, well, there goes, there goes my freedom, right? This was like, right when I got back out. And I'm like, yo, wow. there goes... And I'm like, yo, I'm, 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 I'm breaking down. Like, yo, this, like, this wasn't me. I didn't do this. Like, I promise you, like you made a mistake. Send that off to some lab or something like that. Wasn't me. No, Mr. Chase, I got to send this off to the lab. Like I got to send this to the jet. We'll send it to the lab, but it, it t- you tested positive for THC and meth. And I was like, no, like absolutely not. And yeah. luckily it came back as a false negative. Oh, thank so, God. Oh my false God. Positive. Yeah. False mm. positive. Like, Wow. Wow. And I was like, wow. I actually spent the like three days before that with my homeboys that I used to kick it with. And they were hot boxing. And like, you know, I don't know what they were smoking. I don't know what uh... that secondhand smoke got in my system. And I risked my freedom. And then that took the discipline of like, all right, I gotta cut it off. 
and, and I hate that it takes those near those those experiences for me to get it. But I'm so stubborn in who I am and want to mm-hmm. be around and help and uplift people and always be in my feelings that I, I put those facts behind me that I could get secondhand smoke and I could test positive and I could lose my freedom. But I want to hang out with these people. And so I had mm. to make a decision of like, yo, I got I to gotta cut this off and I got to do something for me. And so that's when I really dove into myself is after I got that, that, that false positive and almost lost my wow. freedom wow. While, do, while doing the right thing. Yeah, that's, oh my God, I can't imagine what a scare that would have been. Yeah. So how did you go about like making new connections after that? Um, I, after reading The Secret, right, and a little, and mm. a little, a little uh, piece of the secret is that you attract what you are. And, and, um, and the the book that really helped me in prison with that was that forgiveness book I mentioned earlier. Don't know the name, don't know who wrote it, but there's one thing that stuck with me, that forgiveness isn't for the injuster, but the forgiveness is to set you free. And mm. that's when I just started forgiving everybody in my life. I'm like, I hold no resentment t- towards anybody because you're not going to hold me down with the power that I give to you because of my anger, because of my resentment. I'm not going to let you control me for that. And so I, I released a lot of a lot of negative emotions. And so I was able to move throughout life and just attracting what I wanted to become and who I was becoming. And there was one time I stepped into a, a coffee shop and the barista at the coffee shop said, you know, you just radiate good vibes. And she doesn't know <laughs> how much that meant to me. But Aww. Like, and I was like, thank you. Like, like I've been putting in work to radiate these vibes, but it's, it's also just letting those connections come to me. Oh my God. I love that. Um, so what's okay. What's like a day in the life now? Day in the life now? I have no clue, man. I just became a daddy. <laughs> I can tell you what it was yeah. before. <laughs> your, your world just turned upside down. <laughs> right? I'm still How about up until that? What's like a day right? in the life? <laughs> oh man. Um, self-care service, um, relationship, uh, reflection. If I had to break it down, you know, the four simple steps, uh, if you want to want to break your day down into four simple steps, first self-care, second, be of service to someone or some, or something or some people, um, three, work on your relationships. And then four, reflect on how the day went, you know, what mm-hmm. did you learn? What did you, how did you grow? How did you implement what you learned the day before? But uh, for me personally, that looked like waking up at 3.45 in the morning, spending an hour. Oh my God, I said 4 a.m. It's 3.45. (laughs) At 3.45 in the morning. Oh my God. Spending an hour with my higher power. um, That's that's spoken prayer, written prayer, journaling. um, And then I do a mindfulness journey, a journal of like who I am, what I'm growing for, my reflections. And then I do a daily task journal and I go through what I want to get done, how I want to accomplish today, what I want to get done for today. Um, and then we, and then we went to work until I started working for myself. Congrats on that, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> as to you as well. Thank so. you. <laughs> okay. What's, what's one thing that you do every day just because it makes you happy? Like, even uh, if it's just like a frivolous, fun, anything. Prayer. Prayer. Yeah. I, I, yo, I, my relationship with my higher power is just, it's first. It's first. So that, like, 
people may not see me getting up at 3.45 in the morning. People may not see me, you know, spending an hour with, with my higher power. People may not see me praying throughout that time, but people feel that. People feel that significance mm. of that. And so like that, that's the, that's the thing that just brings me joy. Just being able to just one, have those conversations with my higher power and build trust within myself. So good. What's, um, what's like one thing that you want to, if there is something you want to leave people with who are listening that you haven't gotten to say. When, and if a pattern becomes problematic, at a principle. Give an example. <laughs> if I drink too much coffee, because I've always drank coffee, I want to. Yeah, you don't need to attack me right now. <laughs> <laughs> you put me on the spot. I'm like, <laughs> Sorry. Okay, go with your coffee example. I just plug my ears. <laughs> hey, don't, don't, hey, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. Um, if I, if I, if I drink, if I feel like I'm drinking too much coffee, yeah, then I add the principle of two cups of water before one cup of coffee. And so, okay. when, when a pattern becomes problematic, add a principle. Okay, that's good. I like it. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. This was such a good conversation. I freaking loved having you on. Tell everybody where they can find you. Absolutely. Uh, at the J chase, all platforms at, uh, the J chase.com. If you want to book me for speaking, um, yeah. And don't touch my mindset.com. Check out the podcast. Yes. Thank you so much. This is just like, you're so inspiring. And I know that people are going to get so much out of this. And I know I have. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a blessing. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to give Jay a follow at the Jay Chase. Check out his podcast, Don't Touch My Mindset. I can't wait to keep following along and seeing what else he's up to. Um, and if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with a friend, share it on social media. And if you're liking the podcast, then please feel free to rate it and even leave a review. That would be amazing if you did that. Um, and of course, subscribe. One quick but exciting update on my end. Um, if you've been following me on Instagram for a while, or if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, then you probably know that I am hosting a sober trip to Costa Rica in May, which I could not be more excited for. Um, but another exciting update is I announced this weekend that I am now planning a sober trip to Spain. So we're going to go to Barcelona and then we're going to also visit some coastal towns. I'm so freaking pumped about it. The itinerary looks incredible and I'm just even more pumped to get to connect with more of you and travel with more of you I would love to have you come along so if you're interested then be sure to head to the link in my bio on Instagram at happiest sober and at happiest sober podcast um, the trip goes on sale Friday February 10th and the first 10 people to book get the early bird discount um, send me a DM on Instagram if you have any questions at all I would love to have you join and I'm so excited thank you so much for listening this week I hope you all have an amazing week I will chat with you next week remember that life is happiest when you're sober. Bye. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. 
From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addictive Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.